Welcome, everybody, to the first episode of the Get Over It podcast, for which we have an awesome guest who by day is a musician and composer and by night a consultant for NASA and how to put microphones on Mars. Now, I chose this as our first episode because I think it really embodies what we're trying to do on this podcast, and that is getting out of your comfort zone, not just getting through it, but figuring out a way to take something to the next level and getting over it. Our guest today recalls an account from early in his childhood where someone came into class to talk to them about the wonder of space. That experience stuck with him throughout his life, and it stuck with him so much that through constant prodding and poking, he eventually found himself as a consultant on a project that would bring all of us here on Earth some of the first sounds of Mars. Why? Because he didn't stop. He never let that go. He took that experience from early on and didn't let that fire die no matter where his life journey took him. He didn't just stare up at space and be inspired by its awe. He took his passion, his knowledge, and figured out a way to get himself and all of us here on Earth a bit closer to that magnificent unknown world that lights up the sky every time we look out at night. So what do you say? Let's learn more about it and let's get over it. All right, so I am um, I'm super pumped to get finally get to the interview with my guest today because we've been talking for 15 minutes. Um, Jason Achilles Mazillis, who is a let's see a rock and roll musician and an extraterrestrial audio engineer, as he coined himself. Or no, you didn't coin yourself this, but you might start taking this this space roadie, which which I love. He loves. Those are two things, by the way, rock and roll musician and extraterrestrial audio engineer that I aspire to be in my next life. Um, but. No, but seriously, Jason is a uh, he's a rock multi-instrumentalist, a record producer, orchestral composer, and by day, by night, um, working with, this is a very relevant story right now with NASA and the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, the JPL, uh, on a project to capture the sounds, the sights of Mars with the Mars Perseverance rover that recently, when we're recording this, it literally just landed like a week ago. So we're going to talk to him about, um, you know, his life, his career, his music, and what's going on on Mars right now. Jason, my man, finally, welcome welcome to get started on the show. How you doing, man? I'll say, we, we met 10 minutes ago. How yeah, the heck do you know all this stuff? And, and, and I wish everybody could know what we were talking about. We were talking about everything from how lions are different than humans. What's, are, are bees smart? Right? We're going to lead with David Blaine, though, because I was going to tell yeah, you a story. Dude, tell me about David Blaine. Hey, by the way, do I need to watch my language on here? You should, um, I would tone it down, but you can let some fly, I guess, everyone. I'll, okay. put, a, I'll put an E on the show so everybody knows. <laughs> yeah. So we were talking about, I don't know, how did David Blaine come up? We, we were, were talking, talking about creep. About creep. creep yeah, things we got that a, could show up in your Yeah, we were talking about creepy things, and then David Blaine came up. Oh, about choice, no. manipulating choice. Yeah, that's right. That's what we're talking about. So a buddy of mine, uh, this was many years ago, and a buddy of mine were watching late night TV on my couch, and David Blaine was the guest. And I want to say he was on Leno, I think. And he did a card trick for the audience. And, and it was just this like, all right, I'm going to do it. The audience can participate. So he holds up a uh, deck of cards, and he just goes through them or something. something he like basically says, go ahead and pick a card in your brain. Don't tell you who you're with, whatever. And he does the whole trick at the end of the thing. Without any other, I, he just, he pulls out the card and he shows it. And it's the card I had thought of. In now my you, brain. That you thought of at home. At home, on my couch. And I look over at my buddy and he's looking at me and we both, had, we both turned white. Wait, he was thinking about it too? Did he do he, it too? The same card. Dude. Jack of hearts or jack of diamonds. Yo, one I, jack don't, one of those. I don't understand that guy. It was the, like, it was the craziest magic trick I ever saw in my life. He, 
you know, you're talking about forcing, you know, decisions on people through marketing and stuff. That's what we were talking about earlier. And this guy had us pick a card at home. I don't know how he does those things. Some of those things he does. Freaks he, me out, dude. He does that, like, the back that of the guy day. That guy is that, Satan. <laughs> the, yeah, he, the street mag. You know, like, those, he used to have street magic, those, like, YouTube series. You can go watch them where he'll go to, like, he goes to these random, sometimes, like, you know, poor neighborhoods and he'll just go up to random people and he'll do these things like fly and stuff yeah and then he'll just bail you know like he'll like yeah. he'll he just bails out of nowhere there was he's this like one, the ultimate magic troll dude, but he's actually doing it it's, and they freak out because it's i remember this one thing about yeah. he was down in new orleans and he was on bourbon street and um he had that card trick where these you know they're drinking and he takes a card and he ta- they take it from him and they write something on it, like their name or something. <laughs> right. And it's they like he like spits it, it out or Dude, something. They fold it up. He puts it in his mouth. He spits <laughs> it into the corner. And then all of a sudden, like they go get the bottle on the floor and there's beer in it and the same card is in there. How is that possible? Like, I don't understand. It's like, it's like, it's like, so, it's like seven levels beyond what it would be to convince you that it's already. Right. Like you don't crazy. really need to go that far. And then, it's been and then incinerated. He's, as, you know, and so of course, you right. This group of people, they were, you know, they're, they're drunk. They're already drunk. So they're like completely freaked out and they look, they look to find him. And he's gone. He's fucking, he's gone. Yeah, and he just bails. If that was me, I'd be like, yo, I saw someone from another world or life tonight. That guy that showed up with that card is not from this this world. There's a movie called Red Lights with Killian Murphy and Sigourney Weaver that's an amazing film that almost nobody ever saw, but it has to deal with how magic, if, if magic somehow could potentially exist, how it would weave its way into the normal world and, uh, and Robert De Niro's in it too. It's Red Lights. I, I can't remember who directed, but I, I highly recommend anybody who's into this kind of stuff needs to see that movie. I mean, talk about influencing like your choice or influencing you. I think David Blaine's whole game is like, granted, he does those crazy endurance things where he standed, you know, where he stood up on that like pole in New right. York City. Like that's different. But these tricks, like putting stuff through his arm and stuff, and yeah, yeah. like through his lip, he t- like whatever he does. But or like swallowing a frog and then regurgitating the frog or something. Well, weird. it's almost like the supernatural was like not enough of a challenge for that guy. So now he's got to actually like overtake his own physicality. So crazy. Good for him. <laughs> I mean, good, good for him. If this ever makes it to you, David Blaine, come on the show and tell me how you do that. I'd love to talk about it. Um, all right, Jason. So listen, I want to talk about a lot of things. I want to also, I really want to get to the Mars piece because it's relevant. But before we get there, I need to know now more so, talking to you for, for longer than what people are hearing. Um, <laughs> Because like this establishes you as a human as your journey. Like, what was a young, what was a young you like? What, 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 what were you about? Were you always into music? Was that what drove you? Did you did like how did you fall into that? So talk to me about like a younger you. Well, you know it's funny because I, I remember young being very quiet and insecure and you know uh, you know sort of I grew up in a forest in Michigan you know like you, know, you grew up but, in a forest in Michigan. Yeah, you're, you're not from story. California. That's, you're not from well. When I was a kid, I should say, I grew up okay. in Northern California, but I, as a kid, I lived in Michigan and uh, I was born in Chicago, actually. Um, but, uh, but even they, but, but people who, you know, knew me back then or relatives or aunts or whatever, they're like, no, you were always like really loud and running around and in, in everybody's face. <laughs> You're like, really? really? I, I, I don't remember. In my perspective, I was very quiet and like kind of scared about everything. And they're like, nah, you weren't. No, like, nah, dude, not at all. But I do remember, so recently I was told that before I was old enough to speak, 
my parents would take me and, and put me in front of a actual, you know, record player and put a record on and I would just sit there and not move and just, so apparently just vibe, just vibe out to it. See, see, that goes back to talking about the brain being inborn. Like I feel yeah. like a musician or people who are music minded have that. I feel like it's, oh, it's wired in there. It's I absolutely right? from my father's side of the family. Okay. No, right. no question. I mean, my mom loves and enjoys music and participates in it, but every single person on my Greek side of the family is musically, I don't know, I guess gifted would be the, like, they, even if they never play it just play comes easy to like, them, right? Like they it all comes... sing beautifully. They, all, right. they, 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 they automatically deviate to the harmonies of a, of a melody. And that, <laughs> right, right. Right. It's not just it's the like normal trying kind of... to sing. They actually sing. Right. Yeah. Like, and they'll split into the right parts. And, uh, and, and those are the ones that aren't doing it, you know, professionally. Um, one of my cousins uh, in Greece uh, is a cardiologist and an orchestral flautist. <laughs> what? It's such an interesting combo. And that's not the one who's a neurologist. By where, the way. where in Greece? By the way, we didn't, we didn't establish this. Yet. Where, where oh, in Greece? Well, they're the family's from a town called Elasona, which is sort of in the mountainous region near Olympus. Okay. Um, which was on the old road from Athens to Thessaloniki before they built the big, you know. But it was sort of an important city. It's been there. There's talk. Homer mentioned it in his writings, and that Jeez. was how many thousands of years ago? Thousands of years ago. So yeah, it had a slightly different name, but apparently it's been tracked in antiquity for millennia, this little wow. town. And, uh, but now my family just, they're everywhere. Have in, you, do in, you go, have Greece. you gone? Do you go? Like, have you? Oh yeah, 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 I, yeah. I mean, I would have been there last year, but obviously. Something happened. You know, yeah. yeah, some, there was a bit of a something, travel issue. Something happened. <laughs> so, all right. So you're, you, you, you vibe to music. It's in your, it's in your, gene. My coffee. it's in your DNA, right? So, but like, was it always Absolutely. a big thing or was it just there? You know, so people don't uh, find it yeah. until later. No, it was always a big thing for me. Um, where I got into, when I got into, first it was piano. Um, I remember seeing when I was, I think, five years old, I saw a broadcast of who I later figured out was most likely Vladimir Horowitz. And he was playing, I think he was playing piano for Reagan or something like that, the White House, which would explain why it ended up on our little, you know, black and white TV. Right. Um, and it looks like it was about the right. I would have been, yeah, I was really young when that was put out, obviously. Um, but uh, I remember him like hitting the keys and just like his, like, he has huge hands. And there's something about the way too that like his touch and his sound where it just sounds uh, massive. And as a kid, I just remember like, oh, that's so cool. Like just this thing, this powerful thing that could come out of this physical action, you know? Plus, like he's yeah. on TV and you're watching him do it at the same time. I imagine that had, yeah. you know what I mean? Like something yeah, like that. Yeah, I guess that. so. Like, yeah, it was right before the Muppet Show, you know, and like there was a sensationalism to it. <laughs> it's like Pavlov's re like reward, dude. The light comes on and the food comes out, you know? <laughs> Pavlo Pavlov's reversal, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's what um, it So funny. that was my parents basically were like, they said that I would have to play an instrument, but they would let me choose what, which I actually thought was a really cool strategy. And I, I recommend that for like people. <laughs> Cause like not trying to be like, like play piano, play piano. Yeah. But, but forcing something like, okay, you, you are going to learn something, but, but we'll let you figure out what that is. And what, you know? what age was that? And so if you want to be a musician, there's many things you can do. If you don't want to be a musician, you can pick drums. So what, hey. what, age, what, age, what, what age? That was for Dan. Yeah, for Dan. So Dan, so Jason is, is, was in band with Dan Dinsmore, who is the founder of Over It, 
Um, and that's the connection here. I'm going to get to that, I think, in a little bit. But hold on. I want to know what age that is because I have an eight-year-old and I've been, ho- I've been really wanting him to get into Now's the time. Now's the time, right? Yeah. You, it's, yeah. Uh, it's probably past it, like in the brain. Now's the, the brain, latest you should be doing right. it. But you, brain wires yeah. around five. So like if it's Yeah, ideal. I started around six or seven. So. Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. So, so then what, I mean, you go through like high school, when do you start playing in band? Like, when does it start coming together or you start composing? Like when does it start really coming together for you? We're like, I'm doing this. You know what? I remember, uh, I remember having career day in high school and they, you know, they brought, I don't know if they'd still do this anymore, but back then they used to bring like, you go into this room, there's a fireman in there. He's telling you what's being like to be a fireman. It's like open house day and like all these different rooms where different people do different things. And, through going and talking to these people, you're supposed to figure out what you want to do for a career. And first of all, just making the decision that quickly didn't seem to make any sense to me. Right. But also I remember going through and like some people did really cool things in it, but none of it like clicked. And then I remembered we had had a guy when I was in like third grade or something like that, third or fourth grade who brought in a synthesizer one day and he was making helicopter noises on a synth. And I thought that was the coolest stuff in the world. Um, you know, and it was like back when synths were still had knobs and buttons and weird, crazy crap right, all over. Right, right. So um, that was the only one that ever grabbed me, you know, and basically by process of elimination, I, I ended up, you know, I know I love music and I, there's nothing else that seems to make sense. So that's why I, I, I studied music in college. But I, see, but I feel like, hold on, I feel like right there, I feel like that the get over, mo- get over it moment for most humans in music that doesn't happen is I really like music. I know I really like it, but, and there's a but, right? Like, it's like, what yeah. am I going to do? I, what am I going to do with music? Like, so did you face that or no, you went right through it. And is that the difference? No, it, someone that, that, took, that took 25 more years for me to figure that out like, how to actually okay. make it into a career. <laughs> okay. All right. But that did, but you didn't care about that is my point. Like you just went, you just did it. Well, it, no. And maybe, it, you know, it's funny because, Nowadays, you know, when somebody tells me, oh, my kid is really inter- interested in music, what do I do? I tell them, sign them up for financial planning classes immediately <laughs> <laughs> because that's the real skill that will allow them to be a musician. If they want to have a sustainable career, they need to learn that their <laughs> art, you know, if that's going to make, you know, they can't just be doing it for fun. I mean, you shouldn't. Right. I, I, because that's where, the two, I mean? that's where those two brains don't meet. <laughs> Right. If you, the music, yeah, the they don't. And There's the just artist a, whoop, just. does that, and those guys do that. So that's makes it. That's what makes it some more difficult to to know that. Like that, you need to really be able to manage stuff. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I think absolutely a lot of the most successful musicians out there, especially in the pop world, where it's a lot, it, it's a lot less about the actual song or the actual performance. And it's much more about a package delivery, which is a create like a whole creative team. It's producers and engineers and all these things. You know, you look at your Katy Perry's got, you know what I mean? Not, I'm not saying she can't write a song. She's talented. Is, but you know, there's like eight co-songwriters on most of those hits. Right. Right. Um, and a lot of the, you know, so nowadays the musicality isn't necessarily the most important part of a hit song correct especially in the pop world definitely in the pop world um but what what world what world is it in outside of like symphony or orchestra like what 
Do you know what I mean? Do you feel like it's like that, like with rock or is it just someone in rock is biased and will say, no, that's more of an, of a, of an art, like a writing. Do you know what I mean by that? Is it, why is it just for pop that? Because pop is more, it's not about the, the structure of a, it's, just the sound. Yeah, it's, it's, it's more about hooks. It's not as much about an overall, you know, like melodic sort of thing. Yeah, it's not about. I just wanted about, to use I mean, the word melodic in this conversation, by the way, <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> I think I think I, I think there's more, like scientific tech type technique applied to, uh, generating a pop hit. Not to say you can't have one by accident by Correct. being very musical. Um, like the Police are a great example of the band. The Police, they yep. you know, brilliant tight pop structure, you know, and amazing delivery. And created through chaos, bubbling. Anybody who knows anything about the police, that band was just, you know, fist fights all the time, you know. Um, <laughs> but but a, but a brilliant element of songwriting, you know, production, pr- production in a songwriting aspect that was applied to that. But it's not about little hooks every two right, seconds. Correct. Pop, everything now is designed to catch you and hold your ear within like seconds. And every four bars there's a certain change every you know there's always things to keep you hooked keep you interested keep you like right. repetition that's like they call them it. hooks right like, Re- like yeah. right. repetition is what makes the brain remember something right you just do it over right time. repetition but over t- but with uh changing over time in very specific yeah. increments so tell me like did you ha- did, did you and do you have a favorite instrument or like or do you continue to try to expand your range like do you do you mess around with new things like you know have you settled into something or what is what's because like playing one instrument's one thing but playing multi multiple instruments how do you do you have a first love kind of thing I find I'm not, I don't, I don't find myself reaching too much um, for different voices. It's sort of like, I don't know. It's kind of like, you know, there's certain singers that can sing in a million different ways and, and there's other ones they do like one thing really well. And I find that I've like the kind of music I've always loved and the kind of bands I've always loved. It's, it's about personality and, and a lot of, of, I think the expression of personality has to do with an unwavering approach to something. Um, and like, for example, the sound of my guitar, I remember I was in San Francisco when I discovered the sound of my guitar. And it's a very unique combination of a certain pickup and a certain kind of old amp that like everybody has, but almost nobody ever uses in a consistent fashion. And one of the ways I made it consistent was by going to my guitar and re- ripping out all the other pickups in the guitar that could possibly pull me away from that sound once I found it. <laughs> so it became so like your my- default. It's like your default sound. I forced my, yeah, so then I forced the, once I realized that I would play different things on different pickups, for example, and every time I played something with stuff with this one, on this one setting, it was cool. And on other settings, stuff sounded kind of cheesy and like butt rocky and things like that, you know? Yeah. And so I realized, well, you know what? It seems like I should just get rid of the temptation to do stuff that sucks. Right, just stick to this sound. So I pulled, so I physically dismantled the instrument in such a way that it, it wouldn't allow me the opportunity to create bad riffs with it anymore. See, that's very smart of you. You see that? We were talking about what oh. smart, what smart <laughs> means and what it means to actually be smart or intelligent. I would argue that that's smart. That is a, we are, you are mindful and aware of something and then you actually did something to maintain the presence, which... I have tattooed on my arm because I rarely stay present, but you're, there's like a way to force yourself into the sound that you just 
love, right? I mean, that's smart. I guess it's, yeah, but it was more of an emotion. I mean, it was more of an emotion. Nah, come on, thing. it's like, smart, man. You could just say it. It's fine. It's all good. <laughs> well, it was just like if you're making stuff and then you feel like, ugh, you feel down on yourself because it sucks. Like, well, I don't want to feel Right, I don't want to feel like that anymore. And obviously, when I do that thing, it sucks. So I'm just going to get rid of that, you know? Like, so, I don't know. Tell me when you met Dan. So I want to talk about this real quick, and then I want to get into the current stuff before we have don't have too much time. So where did you meet Dan? Like, because Dan, he's not, he wasn't on the West Coast, was he? He was just a whole part no, of the No, so, so, so Dan and I were in a band for many years called Owl, Owl which yeah. was, uh, and this, the bass player singer of that band was, uh, his name is Chris Wise, and I had known Chris in LA. We'd been introduced by a mutual friend at a bar. Um, best way to meet people. And... Uh, I've met a lot hey, of at, least, at least it was and before this whole thing. Yeah, anyway, go well, ahead. yeah, it's now it's a rare way to meet people. Yeah, I know. No, but it was funny. A friend of mine, she introduced us and she's like, you know, I don't know. I just, you guys need to meet each other. I feel like there's something you're going to do together or should do together. And uh, she, you know, ended up being right. And uh, so when he needed to record a new record and he had hit the reset on the previous version of the band. So he didn't have band members anymore. And he basically said, Hey, do you want to come play, just play guitar on this recording with another guitar player, friend of ours and his drummer, who was his childhood friend from back home in upstate New York. And so I met Dan like on, on we had, I think one rehearsal together and then we recorded an album Jeez. of songs we'd never heard before, <laughs> just going off of demos. And that's how I met Dan. And so, and we, this was in, uh, I, I want, yeah, I think it was in Matt Sorum's studio in Beverly Hills area. He had a, like in, sort of a nice studio in his backyard, you know, in a guest house kind of thing. Jeez. And uh, yeah, it was like total, like, what? This is cool. <laughs> You're like, wow, this is great. Well, how, I want to, like, how the hell that's does how that, I met Dan. how does that work, man? How do you come into a situation? So like, this is like, you know, this is a band, you're coming into play and it's like, like I imagine it's sort of like football. Like you go into the new team, they have a whole new system, they have their own plays and they have their thing. And like, you're good, you're a good player, but like, it's a different system. Like, how do you get in that? Do you just, do you just jam out to get a sense for how people are? Is there music to guide the sound? Like, how does that work? Or do you just say, I'm doing what I do in your context? Like, how does that no, work? So it, it, the way you just asked that was actually perfect because that's exactly what it was because his, the sound of that band was very different from sort of everything I was just describing you about the sound I've developed for yep. myself. Yeah. But I did try and adapt that as much as I could. Like there's a very strong sort of tonal mid range push in the guitar sound I have now. I tried to bring that into that band where it was more like Les Paul's through Marshall's, you know, it's usually like a scooped mid range kind of, you know, so I try to give it that, that was like a little piece of myself that I brought to that band, you know, tonally, I guess. Um, but that was exactly it is that because the songs were there and structured in demo form, we really sort of like, I don't know. It's like jumping on a pirate ship together. Like the ship is, you're, it's still being built, but there's a strong framework and they're like, all right, we're going to finish the rest while we're sailing. Right. There's enough there. So you can, it'll float on the water. Right. And you can get out of port. But like you're hammering the decks on, you're pulling the sail up, you're trying to do all these things. Somebody's hopefully point is steering it, you know, but that's how it is. They're like, there's the ship, get on. We have one day on the dock. We'll, we're, we're just real quick. We'll check the hull. 
and everyone's on right. the ship everyone's, tomorrow. Yeah, we're going. And that's literally happened. We had one. I think it was just one rehearsal, maybe two, but I want to say it was one. And how long and was your was, run with them then? How long? How long was that with Dan? Pretty much. Well, it was like ten years, I think. Jeez. Yeah, and uh, so, but Dan and I are still, you know, obviously good friends, and and he's uh, he's amazing. <laughs> I don't know. Dan, have you yeah, done one of these with Dan, by the way? No, he'll be a guest though on the show. He'll okay. be the. He's you the, gotta like. Oh yeah, I gotta reserve some time for that episode, you gotta, man. You gotta tear into that. I gotta, I gotta get some time for color. that one. But um, let me looking at the time. Let's talk about Mars, man, because right, I gotta right. tell you something. The, <laughs> sci- the, scientist, the scientist in me has has frequently debated people about the necessity of NASA, the necessity of space exploration, because a lot of time. And I, I think it was like Neil deGrasse Tyson who kind of gets the public credit for like making science like cool and may, making the case for space. But it's well, these been, days, yeah. But these Carl days, Sagan's the, correct. I agree the, with you. Agree. He, um, he's, he's the Johnny Carson. He is the Johnny Carson. You're he's exactly great, right. Yeah. You're exactly right. Um, and without wonder and without that sense of like the child looking up in the sky, seeing the star and being like, what is that? We don't really have anything left. That's how I feel because – as the, as the human with the different brain, that's what's going to keep us the dominant species is the ability to wonder, to think, and be rational, explore what you can, and then hopefully get to a point where you realize you can't. But what I want to say is why the hell, where did, like I had, oh yeah, but I never went there. What made you get into space? Like what was it about it that pulled you towards it? So it's, it's funny because you know it's been a while right dude before this thing started well we're doing we're doing the i don't know how long when this podcast will air but we're doing this on a friday morning right now it's about 10 30 and at noon i'm speaking to a class of kindergartners so that's why that's why and that's why you love to do it that's because i remember being in kindergarten when our teacher came in and spoke to us about it and i remember it like it was yesterday and uh just it lit something that never went out that's what that's awesome dude that's that's like because that's again that's what it's about man it's that it's that it's that like instilling that awe like that well i think kids are great too because you know if you can catch any kid before i'm not sure what age cynicism comes along (laughs) i don't And I don't have my own kids that I'm aware of. So I feel like uh, with the technology nowadays, earlier and earlier, you know what I'm saying? I think, I, I do think that you're exactly right about that. And that's, it's funny because I've always had this like issue with technology, especially with younger folks, but same. I've, I've never been able to uh, get it. You just explained why I feel that way. And, and that's, that's wonderful. You're right. Because exactly that technology introduces cynicism to people. I mean, through it's not in and of itself, technology is great, but, um, if you can get, if you can, anything you can steep into the mind of a kid before, I, I think cynicism is the, the enemy of everything beautiful in life. It, it, it's the enemy of art. It's, uh, cynicism is terrible, which is why I never got into nineties rock. <laughs> oh my God. That's great. Um, I'm but- totally serious, man. It's just like, this sucks. I, none of this feels good. <laughs> none of this feels good. Um, I, I got into science because, I love the quest of it, man. You know, it was like, I always say it's like a puzzle where you don't know what that picture looks like on the box, but you just got a bunch of pieces and your job is to figure out what that picture is while you're doing the puzzle. 
And it might take you 10 years to get two pieces to lock together, but when you lock the two together, you see the picture a little bit more clear. It's that feeling that you can't, I can't explain. Like it's incremental advance, but on a global scale, like when you look back, it's those incremental, it's the mold that fell from the ceiling that killed the bacteria. You know, it's that kind of thing in science. Well, there's also, there's also something inherently honorable about the pursuit of science or, and, and music falls in the same category. There's, there's in and of itself, absolutely nothing but, goodness that comes from those passions it's like a pure it's pure pure yeah right? yeah right I mean, obviously that gets distorted you know very quickly and here comes cynicism you know? right but that's what they're trying to do to science right now man they're trying to oh man rid of, get me started trying to get <laughs> trying to get rid of the purity of science they're trying to make it a thing that can or cannot be like it's i don't want to get started on that yeah. either. Yeah, well you know what i'll tell you this I'll, just to that one point because you know it's funny how like in the, mid, in the midst of a pandemic, everybody's become a, a you know, a home scientist, a you know, closet epidemiologist. Um, but for some reason, you know, when your car breaks down, nobody, you know, right. everybody still goes to the mechanic and trusts exactly, them. Dude. And so like, true. I don't understand why the science of auto mechanics is so much more, maybe because it's a physical, tangible because thing. Because the car actually runs again. I think that's the thing. Yeah. I think that's what actually happens. You know, like what people are saying but, right now about these vaccines is like, so let me get this straight. I get a vaccine and I have to do the same thing, still wear a mask and not see people. And they're like, listen, you got to understand people. <laughs> like, don't, we don't need to, this is a Science long is not that fast, dude. We're trying, this is a real time thing that no one knows about. So as soon as we get the information, you'll get it. But for right now, just just, just chill out for a second. Yeah, if you you know if if you need surgery or something, you're not like suddenly suddenly you're not questioning you know your doctor's mo you know political motivations anymore. You're just like okay, right, I'll die. You got a mass in your stomach. We need to take it out. Get it out, doc. <laughs> Whatever you got to do, right? You need this vaccine. I'm not taking that shit. Like, all right. So, like, well, I don't understand. Like, but, but anyway, to, I want to, again, I want to get to Mars. So, um, <laughs> we'll get there. Hey, it took six months the last time. If we're going to, we're going to get to Mars. Minutes, we're going right. to get to Mars. So, <laughs> where, so, like, you start to say to yourself, like, I'm going to, I'm going to get, like, was there a problem you aimed to fix or is it just pure, like, you wanted to know what Mars sounds like? Like, what was it? Are you talking about, well, specifically? Yeah, like, what spurred your interest to get into where you got into, which is what, like, yeah. you, know, you know, like, was it, was it just the awe of, of space and then it, it took you there or you had a specific thing you wanted to solve? No, I, probably the first one, yeah. It, it just sort of, it was something I loved. And then as, as I was getting older, I, I felt like not having it be a part of my life. I didn't want to be, I don't know, I hate to say it's like a fanboy because Thank God, everybody, you know, people should be fans of science. But for me, I felt like that wasn't enough. Um, and I was starting to define myself negatively by the fact that I was on the sidelines. And, and so then how did you get in the game? Like, what was your first step in the well, game? Well, I, I started dipping my toes into it. I, I actually looked back recently. It was over 10 years ago. I started randomly. Um, I started reading more science magazines and I started cold, like cold calling, not calling, mostly emailing, you know, scientists about some topic I'd read and be like, Hey, have you thought about this? You know, <laughs> the guy on my toilet, literally while they're like, uh, yes, we have thought about that. <laughs> Actually, but thanks yes. kid. Actually, <laughs> yeah, we, we thought about that dude. Yeah. Next. But, um, yeah. So I eventually finally hit upon an idea that, well, people had thought about, but nobody actually done it before, which was, um, capturing sound on Mars. And at the time when I thought about it, I was with a friend of mine 
um, I didn't, re- you know, a quick, a quick, you know, internet dive with Dr. Google, re- re- you know, revealed that, yeah, in fact, Carl Sagan talked about us over two decades ago, mm-hmm. but it hadn't, it hadn't actually been done yet. And then, I don't know, it was like, I don't know, it was like everything exploded. It was just like, holy crap, this is it. I know about sound. Right. They're doing, they're doing this thing. They, they should be doing this, this thing. thing yeah, right. And I know how to do this thing. And like, ah, let me in, let me in, let me in. It was just like, I just rattled the cage, you know, like, hey, I want to play. And then, and, and it, then and the, it kind of works. So. The concept, so the concept of the, so it's cool. Like if you guys, like, I'm sure people out there are listening, if you have it, you can watch some stuff on it. But the concept of this sort of camera, this thing that sort of, when the, when, when the rocket, when it's, when it's approaching the planet, right, and yeah. it's descending down, the, the idea and the concept was have something that would sort of pop off that would then be able to film and record or watch and listen the the, the rock or the shuttle, whatever the hell you want to call it. I'm not using the right terms. Landing. Well, could be any of those things. Yeah. Could be any of those things. Actually descending, watching the descent and landing. Where did that, was it, that wasn't your idea, was it? Was that their concept that you were just trying to capture some of that or like? So these are two different things. These are two entirely different things, but they came from the same conversation with my okay. buddy. All right. The camera, the camera thing, as far as I'm aware, is my original idea. I've never heard anybody. I've met other people since then, since I put it out to the public, that have also sort of developed that idea on their own. But I, I haven't found anybody who's put it forward in a public avenue prior to when I did. So, but this uh, is not what is on the ship now. This is we're just no. Okay. So there's two, so there's, this is, yeah, no, I mean, this is, but the, like, there was this article that came out in Wired Magazine, uh, right the week before, uh, the day before Perseverance landed, and most of it's about the microphone, and then some of it is about okay. this camera thing, right. but they, they came from the same conversation, which was early 2016, with a buddy of mine, and, but they're both being developed now, so the microphone was that, I ended up working uh, with the team that helped develop and uh, it's a long story, but basically we, we helped, we helped them make the selection of the final flight hardware, which is a DPA microphone. I don't know if you guys use them in your studio or not, but it's a great company. Um, and, and separately from that, I, I uh, late the last camera. year, I developed the camera idea into, uh, a NASA funded NASA funded our project, uh, now for development for 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, Totally independent. Totally independently. So, so the microphone. The microphone is there now. Is that that's that's is that we're talking about? The microphone. The microphone's there, and that's the one that captured those first sounds that they shared at the press conference. Yep. Um, Which again, yeah, I didn't build it. Some people are like, "You said you built it." I'm like, "I never said I built it," (laughs) but I I had a lot to do with what you know our company, my company that I basically had to start to be a consultant. We were the ones that ultimately made the final selection of the flight hardware with JPL and then DPA is, you know, obviously the ones that built the hardware. Um, but, uh, yeah, this, this, it's called ExoCam. That's the ExoCam. That's right. That was, yeah. And it's got like this kind of looks like a, like a camera so, cased in a ball of like a, it's like a 360 a, camera inside this metal cage thing. Yeah. yeah. And that design will probably iterate quite a bit depending on, but that's the lunar lunar exocam is looking like that right now. Uh, so 
Wait, dude, how the hell, tell me how the hell you simulate like conditions on Mars, dude. Like, how do you, cause like, you know, you, you know what my concern is when I'm jogging down the street and I'm trying to like video myself that I'm going to get a little wind. Like, so right. like, how do you, how do you, how do you like, I mean, they know the conditions of Mars, but how do you recreate those? They just have simulators would recreate that. Well, it's, if you're talking about like, like I you got to know I mean, how to capture sound in an environment that's probably pretty rough, right? Yeah, but it's more like you you don't really have to simulate. I mean, you, 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 the, the, well, number one, Mars actually has an atmosphere, so that helps. Like, you know, sure. we couldn't do that on the moon for, for sound, but I think, I think, um, I think the lunar, for, for the physicality of the exocam, I think, you know, you don't have to deal with, on the moon, you don't have any atmospheric properties to deal with. So I think, I think modeling how it's going to work on the moon is probably a little easier. On the other hand, you have this sort of big puffy regolith everywhere on the moon. So part of our yeah, issue is like dropping this thing down and not having it sink into, you know, if it goes into the, a pile of sand, then we don't see anything. You yeah, know? then you're done. That would be like, so, dude, there's nothing. That's like a drone video of like when I lost my drone on the beach and all I got was like a whole bunch of sand because it was buried the whole time. We thought it no, was. No, this is, this, is, this is the big issue that, that I think we're going to run into with developing the moon camera is how do we get it, you know, how do we make sure we get a good, because like on, on Mars, everything's pretty hard packed, at least that we've come to see. Right, it'll it, land, so, it hits, it'll it'll stick yeah and like and you know you have other considerations like you know atmospheric properties you got to deal with and stuff but uh and thermal cycling but right well well, that's the other thing like the heat like or the or the temperature or the atmosphere whatever you i don't know what you want to call it like my the sound like so you're saying you don't really have to you think about those things but you don't have to simulate them is that is that right well a lot of it's done on the paper on, on the page and then there are certain things after at some point you just need to throw them in a in a vacuum chamber or an atmospheric chamber and test. Um, so with microphones, it's interesting because they're not designed to do any of the, any of what we asked this one to do. Right. So when we right. were, when we were making our evaluation and trying to put forward, it was kind of like, okay, we don't know if this thing will work at all, but this is our best guess, honestly. But isn't that a <laughs> lot of space exploration is? Like, it's our best guess. Like, we're going to do it. To some degree. I mean, there is, at the same time, you know, when, when they first stepped into the, the space shuttle, right? The space shuttle never t- flew as a test flight. So when those guys got into that thing the first time, they asked, like, you know, even the Apollo missions, which were crazy technology for the time, they still t- like would fly those initially without people inside them, right? So at least they got them into space without exploding and things like that. The first time astronauts stepped into the cabin of the space shuttle, uh, I told somebody, <laughs> you know, I, the, the only thing I can't figure out is how it managed to still take off despite the gravitational pull of their balls. <laughs> because... They're like, all right, get in that thing. We're going to launch it. It looks good on paper. Yeah, right. Sure, I'll see okay. it up there. Okay, good, awesome. good enough for us. And and in they went, you know? Yeah, so it is a drawing of a house for me on paper, but I would never live in the house that I drew on a piece of paper. So you had <laughs> a lot of trust of those people. Exactly. So in that sense, you know, when, when human life is involved, everybody gets, you know. Correct. With this microphone, if it didn't work, nobody was going to die. You know, right. I might... You know, some people might get have, have some career options that come forward, but <laughs> uh, 
It was called, they called it a technology demonstration. So basically, if it worked, great. To lower your expectations, it's just a demonstration. (laughs) Well, and yes, and what comes with that is no no kind of funding to do the tests you would do if it were a reliance system. Right, right. So there were a lot of tests that probably could have been done, like, you know, there were a lot more throwing things in a vacuum chamber and creating, you can simulate, with the exception of gravity, you can simulate pretty much everything else, every other aspect of the Martian atmosphere artificially in a chamber. The gases, the pressure, the temperatures, um, but you can't do the gravity. Gravity doesn't really affect the microphone anyway, so that's fine. Um, But So these things could have been done more thoroughly, but they weren't. Um, Some was, a little bit, just to sort of make sure, okay, well, Right. We Not to the in, extent of like a human going up and you got to make sure. No. That, yeah. Right. Yeah. So they're like, well, whatever it's, you know, yeah. I mean, they, so, so, so tell, tell everybody like, so quickly just describe where the microphone like is like where it's housed, like, what is it, you know, and what, what, like, and what is it for is yeah. it recording 24 seven? Like, is it constantly running? Is it, does it, does it turn on and turn off? So I am not on the engineering team. I, I was a consultant and my contract actually ended the day of the press conference, which was, <laughs> thank God it worked, you know? Yeah, right. Um, so t- uh, the day they announced that we captured this audio, um, and I had reviewed that data a few days prior to that, you know, with them, uh, with JPL. But uh, the, um, if you're, so the Perseverance about the size of a, you know, like an SUV sort of, you know, on Earth it weighs about a ton. So on Mars it's, uh, you know, 30% of that roughly. Yeah. Um, and if you're in the driver's seat of a car, the microphone is kind of roughly, you know, passenger door, uh, door handle height about halfway between the front and the back door. Okay. So it's right on the side there. Okay. And um, It's on one side. It's, well, there's two microphones. There was one that was part of the entry, descent, and landing system. And that's the one that I worked with. Yeah. And... There's another one that's totally unrelated, different kind of microphone that's on part of the the, the mast where the like the head basically is, yeah. and it's called uh, that instrument is called SuperCam, and there's a little mic that's sort of on the end of what this little pinky extrusion. It's a little electric uh, microphone, and that one uh, will activate. I think it's been t- now it's activated. Well, by the time people hear this, it's definitely been tested. Yeah, um, but that had that that couldn't record during landing because it was in a stowed position. So. Um, and unfortunately ours didn't work during the landing either. So that was, that was a whole thing. Uh, yeah, was why? I, was, I think I saw that or like I was watching it yeah. land and they're like, the, unfortunately the audio was not picked up and I'm like, D- what happened? Do you know? Yeah, it was, uh, it was crushing. And it wasn't until I found out that it didn't capture that two days before we finally, before we uh, were able, they, they were able to fire it up on soul two, day two of the, so when the day you land is soul zero, and they Martian days are souls, um, which are how long is a Martian almost, day? It's almost the same as Earth. I think it's you're a little shorter, a little longer. I can't remember which, but very close, close to twenty four hours, and um, just happens to be similar rotation speed, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, so for two days, everybody was congratulating me on being involved in this mission, <laughs> and I knew that we. And didn't you're like, yeah, it. dude, I can't wait to and hear I, it. Oh, it was, it was crushing, man. And so then, thank God, that weekend, um, uh, they, they ran another recording cycle once on the surface, and it did work. So it wasn't a hardware issue. It wasn't the mic. The mic was fine. 
was, you know, that was my job was to help them pick that music. Right. So if that thing, if the diaphragm had ruptured right. or something. So it wasn't that, it was something unique to the entry, like to the landing. Like No, the, it wasn't, it wasn't even that. It was just, uh, it turned out that it, I mean, what they said during the press conference, or I think they, yeah, during the Q&A later, it was basically an issue between the digitizer and the software. Like, not and, and, you know, Adam, your engineer there will tell you, you know, like this happens in the studio all the time. You turn on two pieces of gear. They just don't talk to each other. Mm -hmm. Nobody knows why. You shut them off. You turn them on again. And then they're fine. This just happened and to be a once in a lifetime was, while sort of landing on just, the bar situation. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know to what degree that may or may not have happened during testing. But but then on, you, you said know, on Soul 2, they fired it up and they were capturing sound. They turned it on. They recorded a minute of sound. That's where, And then there's like these little pups of gust of wind at the very beginning of it and that's what they aired during the press conference and it was like thank god for that wind because <laughs> everything wind. everything else you're hearing is self-noise you know but that one little wind was actually the sound of the atmosphere of the planet so where can and it was only there for it, like dude. a moment can people hear uh, it yeah if you just i mean if you anybody google you know, like sound on mars or something like yeah, that. yeah it's it's not hard to find all right um nasa's got it you know, posted everywhere and, and, um, you know, yeah, I think CBS or, and, and, and I don't know if there's, it's not hard to find. So your, your contract with this ended, are you still now, you're still working on the cam though, or no, like you're still. Yeah. So, so my contract with the day, the day that I actually, um, signed my papers to end my contract with JPL and invoice them. I actually, that's that same day I, I picked up well, I, I don't know, I picked up, but I'm, I'm now working with a company called uh, Rocket Lab, and they want to send a probe to Venus in a couple of years. And so I've been working with them to try and capture the sounds of Venus uh, for an atmospheric probe that would, you know, so we're on to the next planet, basically. What's Venus's atmosphere like? Well, it depends. It, on the surface, it's hell, literally. It's, you know, <laughs> 90 times Earth pressures. It's 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 the... The, the, the earth pressure, um, uh, you know, so it's like if you were like, I don't know how many miles in, in the ocean, you know, it's, it's crushing. Um, and it's 800, I think 800 degrees Fahrenheit. So David, Bla David Blaine would do well. There. Oh, he'd be great. He'd be walking around like, hey, what's up? you know, <laughs> oh my God, that's but crazy. when you're coming through the atmosphere, there are certain, there's certain spots in the atmosphere where I think if, if you're about, I want to say it's like 50,000 feet or something like that. It's right. It's, basically earth atmosphere and pressure the only difference is that the actual gases are composed primarily of like sulfuric acid yeah. it's like that so <laughs> which you, which you, doesn't you, do well for you but you could but you could like but you could be essentially you know like you wouldn't need a pressure suit at that atmosphere you just need something to breathe and you know probably cover your your, cover your skin from being melted yeah yeah and i don't even know if it's like continually it's, it's continuous throughout i, I want to say the sulfuric acid is more like in clouds and like it, like it rains of it. it's not, it's, right it's not like it's like floating through the air kind it's, of. it's condensation is more yeah. in that yeah so um you could potentially have like air you know they've, they've talked about having you know airships on venus as a tourist destination oh my god but you're the whole trick is you're way up in this thermal you know in this layer where it's about 70 degrees fahrenheit you know it's earth it's normal pressure 
you just, you know, you need to help to breathe. It's really the thing. You can see fine up there. It, you know, it's a little, I mean, it's kind of a, probably a big orange haze to some degree, but, <laughs> um, but when you start, yeah, but so this probe will be crashing through that very quickly. We probably won't hear anything, but like just screaming wind sound, but it'll be from Venus. So, you know, right. and then the camera thing is the next immediate thing though. That's getting developed this year. So. And yeah, then meanwhile, I've, I'm trying to put music out. I was going to so say, gotta, like, I, and you also balance <laughs> your music career, right? I mean, so I've got, not, I actually, I'm not, not doing that, out. right? You're still doing that. You're still in no, music. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's the cool thing about the, so the, the, the Mars sound thing actually got like a crazy amount of publicity. And this, that article in Wired Magazine that I mentioned earlier, like people have gotten, you know, I just did a, a bit for the, the Canadian broadcasting system like other countries are wanting to talk about this thing it's 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 amazing it's awesome and but the tie in there is the music background right and the sound background right that's kind exactly of it's a what, good story. what they like about the story is like you know who's this jabroni who came along and like got this gig yeah but he's, know, he's, rock, he's a rocker rock from california like going yeah. to space. it's like a good story which is great so i always try and bring back and like by the way, new single. Company. What was going to say? What has it done for you? Has you seen the tick up? Have people? Have you seen more music? A little bit, nothing crazy, but definitely like, yeah, you can see people are going over there in a way. Because prior to this, musically, yeah, it's it's just been small potato stuff. I mean, I did some cool shows with Al. We played, you know, some good opening acts, and you know, played with some big bands and stuff. Um, but you know. I was the guy in the band. It wasn't now I'm doing an instrumental thing. It's my name, Jason Achilles. That's, you know, my musical identity. You know, it's my first and middle name and it's all instrumental too, which is that's hard cool. to get out there. It's cool. And the people that like it really like it, but you know, you don't hear a lot of instrumentals played on the radio for example, right. You know, it's so, tough to cross over to that sort of thing with that. Yeah. yeah but it's and, not also, and my style too is very old school. Like, you know, I still record stuff on tape and all this. Yeah. So, so here's what I, I see as we close this thing down. Here's what I see. <laughs> I see you have the opportunity because you, you have at least a foot in, 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 the, in the space world somewhat, right? Here's what you got to do. You got to be the guy that gets to Mars and plays guitar on Mars. So, like, that, can you, you think you can make that happen or what's going that, on? That might take a while. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I've got some ideas. If I'm still trying to work with JPL and with the team that is working, operating the other uh, microphone, which is that's the French Space Agency. And there's, there are still some ideas about how we could do some pretty cool stuff relating to audio capture from the surface and, you know, coordinating these two microphones together, maybe to capture a stereo event or something mm. like that. Um, would you go to space? Great. Would you go if you uh, had the opportunity? Would you go? Yeah, hell yeah. You would. As long as I, but as long as I can come back. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not. You're not a space station ticket. guy. No, hell no. Well, no, I'd, I'd go for I mean, again, as long as I can come back, you know, but there's these people that like, oh, I want to go to Mars and never come back. Like Mars sucks. It's like, it's a really terrible place to live. You know, I, I like, <laughs> of course, there's I, I nothing, like, there's nothing there. Like How do you breathe fresh air? You know, I like right. to be able to swim. I like to be able to, you know, see a tree. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like see something. You want to be able to see something. What yeah, do they have? You know, how many millions of years did it take for us to eventually evolve onto a planet where that, you know, we evolved to be, you know, like our humans and Earth are perfectly in sync with each other Correct. in terms of, oops, sorry about that. I just disappeared for a second. 
my phone's angry at me. And um, Mars is horrific, and I absolutely, people should go there. Absolutely. I would even, you know, I'd be down for it. <clears throat> I, I would be willing to spend six months in a thing there and back to walk on the surface for three weeks. Yes. But I'm not staying there for two years, and I'm not going on some one-way trip. And, you know, but yeah, yeah, man. I'll, I mean, I'll, do how did, uh, yeah. I'll take, I mean, but I'll take the space carriage. Why not? Is that what it is? Six months? Like, what are these guys, like, what's his name? Like, Branson? I know it is. Like, what are they, is it, like, when they're going to the moon or they're going to space, like, is it, uh, how long is their journey? Like, they're these commercial journeys to space or, like, whatever. Is it the same time or are they trying to make it quicker? They make well, it, like, a stealth, like, a what is that jet? The Concorde for spaceships to get out there quick? There's a lot of ideas about how you could get there, hopefully, quicker. And, and a big part of that is, you know, if, especially if humans have to deal with it. Um, but right now, the constraints put it at six months. Um, I think nuclear public. I think I want to say nuclear propulsion, I think is, is a, um, a big aspect of that. But uh, yeah, man, did I just disappear again? Did Wait, you? what time is it by the way? It's two forty. We're going to go. It's 11. It's 1240. Okay. No, I'm fine. No, it's 1140. It's 1140. He's got to go to Jason's got to go talk to kindergarten kids. So I, we're, we're fine. I just wanted to make sure. Cause that was the teacher calling and I was like, oh. they're going to be like, where is the space guy? Where is he? He's not he's here. Now. He's talking to Chris about random, random stuff. Um, but no, anyway, anyway. six months there, six months back to Mars. Uh, for the moon, it's more like three days right now, you know, on the fastest approaches. Um, six but that's months. the answer. Question. Is there a lot of leeway there? Like, you know, like if it, like, is it gotta be perfect? That trip it's out? gotta be pretty, yeah, it's pretty tight. Yeah. You gotta, you get an, uh, Orbital mechanics um, sort of dictate that, you know, the Earth and Mars, Mars takes about twice as long to orbit um, the sun. So every two years you get an alignment where that, that provides your shortest trip. Ah. Uh, With the moon, like, it's, the moon's the same distance. Yeah, the moon is always, so right, right, exactly. That's a little more about like where you're launching from on Earth and, you know, like these it's people with like is, these people at NASA, these scientists, like, do they have like an app on their phone that like lets them know where it is in those six months? Like, I feel like I would be checking that thing all like, oh my God, like where, what's going on out there? Like what's going on? Well, it's cool because right, right now, and you know, depending on when this podcast airs, but Mars is right up in the night sky right now at the moment. You can see it every night. So. I, I, it's crazy. I know. And um, it looks like a red planet. Yeah. And it's, it's noticeably like, red. It's, it's noticeably yeah, it's like, red. There it is. Yeah. It's a red it was cool planet. Too, then, the night that of the landing on February twenty no eighteenth February eighteenth that 18th, evening yep. that just randomly happened that the moon and Mars were right next to each other and uh, I got a great picture of it and I was just Dude, like this that's is awesome man and that was just you know it just happened to be that way that evening but uh, it was really it was you know you're <laughs> it's well, cool when you like do something crazy like this and like. Like I can tell these kids, you know, it's not just in your head. Go outside tonight. You can see it there. It's physical. It's there. Right. It's, you're looking at it. Right. It's right there. Yeah. Anyway. Well, dude, I mean, for everyone out there, you guys can, if you haven't seen it already, just, you can Google Jason's name. You can Google like microphone on Mars um, and you can read more about this stuff. He is go Jason. check out the music. <laughs> yeah. But primarily you got to check out the music. Where are you going to, where can they find it? Is it on like most streaming places? Like tell them where yeah, your website, just, like tell them where to go. Yeah, jasonachilles.com is the website, and um, if you go to Spotify, it's there's I actually have two different accounts on Spotify. The one you want is Jason Achilles. Jason Achilles. And he is uh, he is Jason Achilles Mazillus. I am Chris Fasano, and this is the Get Over It podcast. Baby.